0: Hey guys, Garrett here. Just wanted to hop on here real quick and say sorry. This is episode 14, which I guess is actually now episode 15, and episode 15 came out before. Uh, That's my fault. I sent Jason the wrong file types. My family and I, we were getting to run out of town for a weekend trip, and I just, in my haste, uh, sent him the wrong file types. So anyway, this is episode 14, which obviously should have come out before the Strava episode, We did want to push the Strava episode out, though, because of the relevancy of the topic, so we did want to go ahead and release that one as soon as we could. Anyway, here's episode 14. Thanks, guys. This is the Trail Trash Podcast.
1: Good evening everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Trail Trash podcast. Me with my top 3 homies Garrett, John, and Will. It's the four of us for the first time in a good while. And uh tonight's episode is going to be a grandiose time. And uh honestly, when we were coming up with a topic for tonight, Will came up with the idea and I'm like, "Damn, why have we not thought of this yet?" because it is the most common sense topic that you would think that should be, you should be talking about and we've not even discussed it so we're going to talk about crewing all aspects of it um and so let's just jump right into it we'll go into a little bit about what you were talking about today or yesterday whenever when, when we came up with this concept about about the crewing, and, and you know kind of what our what our vision of what this is going to look like tonight? Is it bad that I forgot? Um,
2: I guess. Let me think. I think what I was trying to say was, um, when you're uh, crewing a runner, most of the time you're crewing somebody you care about. I mean, why else would you stand out for? Side for 20 or 30 hours to try to help somebody do something stupid right so you know the runner is going through a lot of emotions but the crew members and the pacers are going through certain emotions too um anything from getting pissed off to being proud to feeling sorry for the runner just logistically you're you're trying to keep up with the run, or there's just so many things going on and i thought that it would be a, a good opportunity tonight to t- kind of touch on those subjects you know those those feelings of what a crew or a pacer might be going through during i situations. think
1: I, I think it's a great topic and, and uh so which which area should we tackle first what do you think
2: um Let's talk about uh, just the logistics first of of knowing where you need to be, where your runner needs you to be, the timing, having to keep up with how fast you're running. Um, Like, say, for instance, in a race like Yeti, where every aid station is about, what, seven miles apart? Is Mm -hmm. that right? Right. So you have to know when to be at the next aid station. And... What the runner will need at that aid station. And then at the same time, you have to take care of yourself. If you're hungry, you need to go eat. If you need to sleep, you need to sleep. Um, is something distracting you guys? <laughs> no. But anyway, go ahead. What are you guys' thoughts
1: on that? So
0: just something so, seems a little mousy tonight. I don't know what it
1: is. Exactly. So, you know, I can tell you, I, I, I am the least. I've got the least amount of crew experience probably among everybody here. And I can tell you from a logistics standpoint, um, the both of my experiences crewing, um, Garrett's wasn't a whole lot because we we didn't really go a whole lot of places. But like John's um, logistics were, God bless, man. I felt like we drove over, all over the place trying to get to freaking john and then like we went to the top of that mountain where the lord opened his fury upon us um and i mean that was just that was just crazy um i think for me that was one i think to me that's one of the toughest parts when you have a race like again i'm going to pick on john's um race because it seemed like the the different um crew spots seemed really kind of stretched out and maybe they weren't maybe just the roads were just really jacked up and and um and hard to navigate through and and stuff but man that to me seemed super challenging i mean will you've done a ton of challenge uh, of, of crewing how would you rate the logistics of hellbender up against like say like the yeti
2: well the thing about um doing that, crewing a, a race that's in a place that you've never been um, and, and the roads were like they were at Hellbender, you just never knew what you're going to run into. You know, we, we made a mistake. Uh, if you remember, if you recall, we turned down the road that was closed, that was supposed to, because we didn't have GPS. We didn't have a signal. Right. So we were just going off what we had keyed in when we did have a signal right so we turned down that road and come to find out it's closed you can't go that way Mm-mm. so we had to on the fly figure out the right way to go with no internet service and still make it in time to meet john so you know and, and crewing in those cases where you're not familiar with the layout of the roads in the area it could be a nightmare pretty quick um yeti you know it's it's a it used to be a railroad line along the road. I mean, it's, it's nowhere near as hard um, in those cases.
1: But yeah, I, I can see that. And, and in John's situation, you know, it went into fear with us of were we going to miss him? Right. Um, you know um, you know, cause you know, we didn't know if, if because if I remember correctly, the, 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 tracking was really kind of wonky with him it was showing it was showing him like super way ahead of where he actually was so we were in kind of a panic mode situation um
0: because let's not forget we thought well, we missed him yeah and, at and not the first aid that, station
2: yeah and understand we didn't have any internet service so we were going off what it was where it was saying he was but it, the internet service was hit and miss. So if we had internet service and it said, Oh, he's supposed to be here. And then we went towards there and then come to find out the wonky uh, tracking was wrong. We just spent 30 minutes driving to the wrong place or, you know, but yeah, it's uh, we did our homework and we still screwed up. So the logistics of trying to do something like that, I think are pretty tough. So, yeah, uh...
3: In that specific scenario, um, one thing I would recommend is, you know, the use of something like a Garmin inReach mini type device, um, which I do have. I just left it at my house the yeah, day where, before. Where, that, what, where was that? Pretty big stuff What? What? You, uh, what? you,
1: you left <laughs> shit somewhere? What? Yeah.
3: Yeah. I left my, I left my pack and like, you know, some gear and stuff like uh, at my house by accident. Didn't realize until I was about 30 minutes out from like our uh, Uh, the place we're staying. But uh, anyways, to circle back into like the actual like crew discussion here. um, So if you are going out into like a remote area where your crew isn't going to have like a great idea or a whole lot of updates about um, where you're going to be, something like a Garmin inReach mini type device, you know, can be extremely helpful. That way they can just um, help keep track of you um, and I believe like the inreach mini runs around like two hundred three two or three hundred bucks, which um, it's not just exorbitantly expensive, but it's a little bit of money. Um, you, you, there's a lot, you know, if you have uh, you know friends and people like in your local running communities, you can usually reach out. And someone's like, um, "We'll, we'll lend you one, you know, no problem. Um, But yeah, it's a great resource to have, especially if you get into more like remote runs, um, not necessarily races as well, but also like, you know, like adventure runs or FKTs, if nothing else, just so like, you know, people back home have like, you know, that, um, uh, what's the words I'm looking for? Just that uh, peace of mind, you know, knowing that, you know, you're still out there, still moving, you didn't get eaten by like, you know, the cocaine bear running out in the wild.
1: (laughs) Hold on real quick. True story. Cocaine bear was the topic of conversation at dinner tonight. My daughter said that her friend is going, is forcing her to go see cocaine bear when it hits the theater. And then she asked what cocaine bear was. And I had to explain to her what cocaine bear was.
3: You mean you didn't like uh, sit her down and force her to listen to that podcast.
1: (laughs) I did recommend that there was a, an excellent podcast on the cocaine bear that if she needed the historical reference to check out. But so, uh,
2: so the topic you know is what emotions and what crew members go through if i had to put an emotion tie it to logistics um pressure you you have a lot of pressure on you not to screw up for your runner because you know you got to be where you need to be
0: having having crewed and run with crew i would rather run 100 miles 12 times out of 10 because all i have to do is run but, when you're crewing, that's a lot of press. that's a stressful pressure. It's not like one of those like I thrive under pressure kind of pressures. It's a this person's whole race depends on me. And I have to be where I have to be when I have to be there with enough time to get everything ready. It's yeah. intense. And,
3: so, and uh, sometimes it's you know, it's not necessarily anything that you physically provide your runner that really, that they need it's just that emotional support and you being out there and telling them you know that yeah just you know get, keep moving man <laughs> that's 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 all they need
0: it's like coop says lie to your runners if you're a crew person lie to your runners when they come in at mile 75 tell them they smell like roses their feet are beautiful and they have a, the most handsome smile like
2: that's what i've been doing wrong jason
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't think
3: uh, anyone in this uh podcast right now has ever said anything like that to each other ever.
1: <laughs> no. No. I, now, now hold on a minute. I will say this much. Will for what it's worth acts like some tough guy. But um I, I will say when I did do the, the last Yeti 100 Um, when I was really not well and he was hobbling along with me for the couple of miles he hobbled along with me with on that uh, course, he did a really nice job of pumping me back up. Um, You know, if I could have thrown him on my back, like Luke Skywalker did Yoda and carried him up the mountain with me, um, you know, he, 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 his, you know, motivation was, was key to at least get me to keep going forward. And, um, you know, I, I think that that's something that, that goes without saying is, you know, you can definitely have an impact on your runner. I mean, I mean, Garrett, you can talk a little bit about, you know, what was it like with John being there? I mean, was, you know, was, was that impactful?
0: Yeah. So there's two things that two different instances that crew have said something that really resonated with me. And one was the first year at no business. It was just me and my wife. Um, And I came into mile 82. And if they had come over, like I was fighting cutoffs. And if they had come over and said, hey, time's up, can't go on. I'd be like, fine, whatever. I don't, I am perfectly fine with that. We tried, we'll give it a go next year. But my wife who had never been a crew before ever had never been to a running event came over and by the, by this aid station had everything down. She had reorganized the car. Everything was set. I came in and I was dead to rights. And she looked at me and she goes, does it hurt? I said, well, yeah, she goes, but is this a medical thing? And I said, no, it just, everything hurts. She goes, then sit the fuck down. Yes, (laughs) ma'am. Sometimes as a crew, you have to be stern because you just have to tell your runner what they need to do and not let them think and just let them be told. And so she started changing my shoes because we had a shoe change scheduled for that aid station. And she looked at me and I'm going to try it. Like every time I think about it, it still brings back some pretty raw emotion. She looked at me and she said, there's a little girl, there's a three-year-old girl at home who expects her daddy to finish. I don't know what you have to do, but get it done. And something like that, like something like that really resonates. And then this year, John came over again. I'm fighting cutoffs, but this one was a whole different story. I just couldn't keep anything in. And he comes over and he goes, listen, you can do this. It will probably be the hardest thing you've ever done. And we have to get moving and we have to go now. And so sometimes when your runner comes in and you can see that they're down and out and the look in their eyes is gone, you have to be stern and you have to say something that's really going to resonate. And so I think as a crew, you also have to know, you have to know your runner and you have to know what's going to get them to move and what's going to get them to tick. And you have to, you kind of have to be bossy at times. Um,
3: yeah, um, and to add on to that, it's like you kind of have to like make the decision for them because I sometimes like you know, especially if the days not going your way and you're moving slow and stuff, you're looking for every reason to quit. Especially if it's like really close. If you roll in, it's like say like five minutes to cut off. Like you want to quit. So if you make the decision for them, it's like you know you're it's that extra little push that they need.
0: Yeah.
2: So. Yeah you guys, there's a spider on my desk. Um, so we lose Jason.
0: Yeah, his uh, Internet was kind of he was yellow earlier. So I don't know if his Internet dropped out. He'll jump back on, but we'll keep going. No. So we're still so, recording though. Yeah. Yeah, I'm recording. Okay. So, yeah, we're okay. good.
2: Gotcha. so, you know, you're you're talking a lot about what you need to tell your runner, uh, how the runner feels, how the runner appreciates that. But the question is, and what this, what this episode's about is when you're telling your runner that when you see that they're struggling, they need a, a lift, Mm -hmm. what is really going on in your mind? I mean, because you're seeing it, you're, you're feeling a certain way about, oh my God, he's going to, he or she may be about to quit or are they going to make it? Oh my God, the cutoffs when you're telling your runner those things. What's going in a crew member's going on in a crew member's mind? I mean, what are what are what, you thinking when you're telling somebody that?
0: You, you almost have to set your Man, own emotions how do aside. You feel. Yeah, you almost have to set so you your just, own emotions you aside a,
2: well,
0: because it's it's well, their it's their race, and so you have to. It's it's really hard to do, and if you can find good crew who are good at stepping out of their own emotions, and being what you need, not being what they think you as the runner want, but in that moment being what the runner needs. And it, it and it's it's a it's a hard spot to be in, but you almost have to not feel anything. Cause the minute you start to get emotional about your runner they're going to start to like the first time I ran no business, I was worried to death about my wife the whole time. So I'm worried about me as a runner and I'm worried about my wife. Every time that you or your runner would come into an aid station, you have to reassure them that everything's fine, both for them and for you. So you almost have to not feel anything. You almost can't like, I know it's stressful when we were there waiting for almost an hour and a half on John And then we turn around to leave because we're like, no way he is this far back. And then his coach comes running down saying, here's John, here's John, here's John. You can't let those emotions dictate or let your runner feel those emotions. So as a crew, you almost have to be emotionless at times. And then once your runner leaves the aid station, then you can do whatever. But it is a stressful not for the faint of heart position. And I think that's why sometimes I'm glad my wife goes now. But sometimes because she knows that she will know exactly what's going on by my body language. Sometimes, though, I wish she wasn't there because it's one less thing I would have to worry about. You know, sometimes John's uh, John's right. You know, if there's no one there, sometimes it's easier to go on out because there's no one that you're worried about. If you're just doing drop bags it's, well, you know what? I just got to get to the next one. But sometimes it's nice. But as a crew, back to your point, it's a hard spot. It's stressful. And you you have to be emotionless at times. Or do a very good job of hiding them. Because And so, Jason, you brought up earlier that you almost have the least amount of experience, which I think really is good for this episode. Because as a runner, you come in. And you see your crew and you can, you can tell body language, you work around enough people. If your crew looks worried or down or stressed because something's not right, the burners aren't working on the propane or something that's going to affect you mentally the rest of the race or until it gets squared away. So from a runner's perspective, just because you have the least amount of crewing experience, not much less than I do, but when you see your crew in a state of disarray how does that affect you as the runner when your crew is stressed out would you rather have an emotionless crew or would you rather have someone like your wife
1: well my wife would not be good in doing that um, at all um you know it's just not her thing um i think you know compliments to Will and Sam. They never truly looked worried for me um, other than that last year when I was the last time when I was super behind and uh, was really struggling. Um, you know, you could see that there was some uncertainty there. You know, they, they I think they kind of knew that I wasn't right. But every other time, I mean, Um, the first year, you know, there was, you know, they, they were emphatic that I was good and they were, you know, and, you know, come to find out they were right. Um, you know, and then of course the second year, John was with me, um, and saw that shit show, um, and was, uh, you know, he was, you know, John, I I think he knew something was wrong. Um, as you know as well. And I think, you know, we both knew based off of the scenario that I was in that it, it wasn't a good, it wasn't a good option, a, a good place to be. Was that the year uh, you peed blood? Yeah. Two? Okay. Yeah. That was the COVID year. And, and it, and it was crappy because like, you know, it, it, you know, it, it, it's funny because for somebody who prides himself on being organized and prepared two races I've DNF'd in um, were because I was ill-prepared, um, you know, that, that year with John, I had no electrolytes, um, and then, of course, the whole debacle at Mountain Miss, where I had no body glide, you know, which are both just, you know, as an ultra runner, you, you know, those are the two, two things that you probably should keep with you to some extent, um, you know, just to have, um, but, you know, compliments to to everybody who's screwed me. I've never walked in and had somebody look at me like, "Holy hell, he looks terrible."
0: Uh, <laughs> you know, um, we wait you, till you're gone to say those things. Yeah, either that or uh, we just say that on a daily basis enough that <laughs> it
3: doesn't no, need to
2: be said at uh, you, you should
3: see.
2: You should see our chat. We tell each other that all the time.
0: Yeah. We're so pretty. We're forgetting. pretty callous to each other now. <laughs> keep this from going into
2: like another all negative failure type of episode. Let's talk about when you see your runner because some of us have seen each other succeed. like um I saw I've seen John finish scar. you've I've seen, seen me I've finish. seen I've seen will finish scar. Um, we weren't there when Garrett finished his, but we felt a certain way. I, even though we weren't there, I kind of felt like I was screwing him by telling him get off his ass on chat and stuff like that. But, <laughs> um, so what does it feel like when your, your runner is about to succeed? It's about to happen. You know, it's going to happen that overwhelming. Everybody did their job. You know, you care about this person. How does that feel?
1: Well, I mean, I just wanna I you know, let me say one of the best experiences I've ever had uh running in, in the running sport was crewing uh Will and Greg, Greg, uh, you know, at at Scar. Um, you know, me and Tyler and I did it, you know, um we had that epic run up to uh Leconte, and then we came down, we were driving Greg's uh big tank of a truck with a Barkley bumper sticker on it. And some dudes ask us if we ran Barkley before. And we're like, no. And so we drove to the top of there and it was so cool. Cause we set everything up, we grilled out, we, uh, their food for them. And, and, uh, you know, they came in and what was cool about that experience was Greg and Will ran in completely composed, like the most cockiest, SOBs ever when they came in they were so cool and calm you know Greg asked for his concoction of whatever the hell it was in that jug he was drinking um they came in they ate I remember asking Will I'm like how are you feeling Will's like I'm good and I mean it was so cool because we you know because that was you know that was a two-part thing where we, we got them there first and then they went to the top of uh Clingman's Dome and we met them there And that situation was a little different. You know, we're standing up there waiting for them to come through. And Greg comes through first, you know, and Greg's like, my stomach's all jacked up. Give me something to drink. And so we had the bottle of whatever that is that he drinks. And then um, he's like, that ain't going to work. I need something else. And Tyler had like a body armor or something. I don't know. And he gave Greg the body armor and Greg like chugged it down. And Greg's like, okay, I think I'm okay. And we're like, where's Will? And he's like, he's in the woods taking a dump somewhere or something. And he said, it so calm, you know, and we're like, is he okay? And he's like, yeah, he's going to be good. He just had to, he just had to, he's had to get, you know, he's had to get himself right. And then Will comes up and, you know, I'm like, how you doing? And, you know, you could tell that Will was just a little off, but he wasn't like way off. And uh, he's like, I'm all right. And we gave him their stuff and they took off. And I remember Tyler and I started driving back down to Gallenburg. And I looked over at him, I said, "They're going to do it." And he said, "Yeah, they are. And I said, we they're they are literally going to do it. this This is it. They're we're done with them. We're not going to see them again until after they finish scar. And it was such a cool feeling because we knew they were going to succeed. and it's it, it, it's it's that's different than, like, say, a hundred mile race with different checkpoints and aid stations and all that kind of stuff there's so few of of checkpoints and stuff you know once you release them after that last point they're they're gone and it's not like you can pull them out of there i mean i guess you could but i mean it's not going to be easy um and then and then and, and then the best part about that to finish the story was we had parked at the wrong parking spot we had parked at this parking place that was up by the, where the trail starts. Um, and we're up there and they come running out and, and Will's like, this isn't it. We got to go all the way down to the bottom. And me and Tyler jump back in the car and we, we drive all the way back down to the bottom. Uh, and, uh, and you know, they come running down and they touch the sign and it was just, it was just the coolest thing. um, probably one of the coolest experiences I've ever got to experience. So um, I just thought I would share that because that was cool from the standpoint of there was never any doubt that there was going to be success, in my opinion, for those, for those two guys.
2: And I had a similar, you know, John did his scar and the same thing, you know, you only get to see him four times, but I knew when he left the last aid station, like you he's going to make it i mean there's no turning back he he may take 12 hours to make it 15 hours to make it but he's going to make it and you know i've been waiting on that moment i've i've crewed you several times i've crewed john and it's hard to do these races and all the pressure trying to keep up where you need to be the food packing the car unpacking the car cooking getting your sleep in, if you've got a pace. Uh, one of the one of the things that, that caused me the most sadness is the times that I've needed to pace Jason. And I get dressed, I get ready. I'm trying to psych myself up. I know I'm about to enter the shit show with Jason, keep him going. And then I see him struggling so bad, I don't even get the opportunity to try to help him you know, after waiting so long to pace him. And I I just want to do that so badly. Um, I would love to see Jason get up at 80, 85 miles, knowing he's going to finish just one time in in one of these races or see John do it or Garrett do it. I haven't had that opportunity yet. And John, he finishes hundreds all the times. Garrett can and Jason will soon. But I, I i really miss i think i really missed the boat not being able to see my runner get up like and know he's going to finish i did with john but i'm talking about leaving a, a mile 98 station type situation it's, it's right there you know in, in a couple hours it's over with but special uh,
0: guest appearance guys this is good timing if you want to know from a crew perspective how it feels to have your spouse finish a race joe is going to give how it feels when i cross no business for the first time
4: wait i mean i was just trying to come downstairs and pop me some popcorn
0: why does she have whiskey in her hand
2: Is that whiskey?
4: This is popcorn I was trying to make. Oh,
2: I'm sorry. For
4: dinner. He told me he he forced me upstairs. How did I feel when Garrett crossed the finish line for the first time? The best way I can describe it is when, like, a mama watches her little girl, like, her child. I know, seriously. It's like when a mama watches her child, like, get her trophy for the first time or something like that. That is literally how I felt. I was like, oh, oh he did just it. proud
2: just proud, proud right? like so proud. proud and my
4: heart could have exploded and I was so happy that we could like shower and go home
2: so I gotta ask you a question have you I, I know you work out all the time yeah but have you have you run enough in your life to get to the point where you can kind of appreciate what somebody is going through when they're running 30, 40 miles? Have no. you pushed yourself to that point?
4: I mean, I ride my Peloton to the point that I think I'm going to have a heart attack, but yeah, well, and I would I would totally die happy. But no, I mean, I could not imagine myself running 30 miles. So I don't know. I mean, the equivalent of what he does uh, is superhuman to me. I mean, truly, it is just like superhuman to imagine somebody running 100 miles. I would never... What? or any of you guys, that is just something that I could not really contemplate doing. Normal people well, don't do
2: that. I'm not poking fun at you. The reason I'm asking you that is, Garrett, of all of us, it's its amazing what Garrett can do. he I know he trains when he trains, but of the he doesn't train like normal people train and still accomplish 100 mile races. He doesn't run. A lot of people that do this stuff, they run All the time, all the time. When's the last time Garrett's run that, you know, I mean, really run.
4: He has not run a lot lately. Yeah. Oh yeah. Probably since his race. He'll
2: just decide. He'll just decide three months out from a hundred mile race. Hey, I want to run a hundred miles and he'll get damn close if he doesn't finish it. Most people can't do that stuff.
4: Yeah. I mean, no, he's incredible. He is. Absolutely. He always puts his family first. I mean, he really does. does. He never misses anything of Larkin's or mine or anything like that. I mean, he's supportive before anything else. And I think that, I mean, that speaks volumes as well. So I'm going to make my popcorn now and sub him in. Whiskey. whiskey? Oh, he's coming upstairs. It's a joint effort. Like I, me and whiskey both eat
0: popcorn. She gets a bite. He gets a bite. She gets a bite. He gets a bite. Sorry. I just couldn't. When she came down, I just couldn't pass up because of what we were talking about. I was like, this is a good opportunity for someone who does not have running experience to talk about how it feels I I to watch to someone tell cross. About
4: how I in a song, though.
0: No, we already talked about that in another episode. So, <laughs> Okay. Anyway, I, I like, honestly, I just, that was too good of a timing. I just couldn't pass it up. I'm sorry. Threw a little so you the so, shell there. So the real question is, um, I guess you know,
1: John. When you were coming down off of Scar, knowing you had friends waiting for you there, you know, did that make did that make the the finish like a just you know any you know any more sweeter than it already was, knowing you had to, had somebody to share that with?
3: Yeah, because um, I'll compare it to like when I ran my first hundred, uh, which was in twenty twenty. And, you know, I went up to that race alone and, you know, of course, I finished and stuff. And that was all great. But I was like, man, I really wish I had, like, you know, you guys here to, like, share, like, you know, this feeling with.
0: Yeah. You text us all that you were like, guys, this is great, but goddamn, I wish you were here. Or something along (laughs) those lines.
3: Yeah. And, when like, when I said that, I think that's when I got, like, the most emotional after that race, to be honest.
1: Yeah. I mean. And that was and that was really great that, that you know, Will and, and Pete and Kara was up there with you uh for that um you know for that accomplishment up there at Scar because you know that that had been a that had been a battle that you fought a couple times and and was able to able to slay the dragon, so to speak, um, which is which is pretty sweet. Um so you know, I can tell you from you know from my point of view, um I never worried about my people being there for me. Um, I never had to worry about them not being there. Um you know, Sam one time nearly drove my van off the side of a cliff uh, on the side of White. Um, you know, um, you know, even though uh, you know, a dog like pissed on my sandwich, um, you know, Uh, I still had, like, they were always there. Uh, You could always count on them being there uh, from the standpoint of literally that was There was never a concern that I was going to be there and they weren't going to be there. Um, I've been really fortunate. And I've, I've had, you know, I've had a really dependable, solid crew every single time. Even though they let a dog pee on my sandwich or whatever
0: anti-chicken nuggets in your vest
1: yes that's true you know yeah I, I didn't appreciate the the beat down at uh seven trails where jason green pulls a uh, patrick reagan over there and everything but you know um, i
3: think everyone in that camp was standing around jason sitting in that chair Dude, <laughs> that, that was a, <laughs> <laughs>
1: pissed me off so <laughs> fucking mad
2: so there's two there's two times i've watched and and participated in jason getting a in quotations beat down (laughs) when he's trying to quit a race uh one was what the first the first yeti and then seven trails now they went two different ways but they were just they were both equally infuriating i'm sure (laughs) which was worse first one the first one was worse
1: way by by way way (laughs) way more the first one the first one was so bad that people were walking by like looking giving you hugs yeah i mean yeah literally like it was like a guy like walked by like really close to me because like they were like shouting and yelling at me the whole seven trails thing that was all right i mean you know (laughs) you know i mean you know, Patrick Reagan had just quit like jackpot like the week before, so I like I didn't feel bad at all. You know what I'm saying? So uh, I didn't want I wasn't going to bring that up, of course. But you know, but no, it it was you, you know, but I really was lucky um, to to have uh, um, a good crew, and you know, it was a good experience helping um, you know Garrett out, even though I really didn't get to help Garrett out. Um, very much. I sat in a chair and <laughs> you know, let, watched.
2: Me ask, let me ask you something about Seven Trails since we're on mic. <laughs> that entire time I was there with you, I I got the feeling that you weren't really into that race from the start. Was I reading a, into something that wasn't there?
1: No, I mean, I... <clears throat> I had every intention to give it everything I had from the very beginning. Um, I, I think, I think realistically I had a shot at it. I think, you know, I think the problem was, I think I just, I was this, I was tremendously out of shape for it. I mean, it would be the equivalent of me trying to do it right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I'm out about in the same amount of shape Um, because you got to remember, like, I think I walked the majority uh, for the 50 K to the 50 mile point, just because my legs were just, were just not having it. Um, But no, I mean, no, I wanted, I wanted to succeed there. I mean, you know, you know, I don't go anywhere with the intentions of not succeeding.
3: Um, and, and I mean, no one does, but I mean, before that race, did you tell yourself, I'm going to go out here and see what I got, or did you actually tell yourself, I'm not quitting until I get a hundred miles?
0: Probably a little Mr. bit mentality. Of, probably. Well,
1: I think probably going into it, I was probably a little bit on, I, I in, in both camps I felt, you know, like I, I had a shot because of the nature of how the course was, um, how it was, you know, it was basically flat and it was just nothing but loops. Um, I felt like I had a, a fairly decent shot of of, of pulling it off. Um, it was nothing like the whole Yeti thing where, you know, you're going up white top in the middle of the night and you have to deal with, you know, with with that um and i felt like you know i was gonna have you guys around for the majority of the time so no i mean there was never a moment where i was like had decided that i was only going to go a certain distance there no it was it was going all in from the beginning i mean i really wanted to finish i really wanted to get 100 out there
2: well the reason i ask that is i've got a confession um you know, I did, I did the SCAR with Greg that, that year. I forget what year it was. And I, I signed up for the Mid-State Mile, right? And I ended up doing like 26 miles at the Mid-State Mile, But within the first three or four laps, so it, it's, it's set up to where you go one mile at a time. You, you keep looping around one mile. After the first three or four miles, I decided I, I didn't even really want to be there. I did For some reason, uh, when I finished SCAR, I was in pretty good shape, but I had every intention of going for 100 miles at that place. But after three or four miles, and my mindset was not there. I, I did not want to be there. I did 26 miles. I sat down, and I was done. So I was
1: wondering if if that might have been a little bit of that in you. As I guess not. And I, well, I can tell you I got a little disheartened when you had to stop and sit down for a little bit. Um cuz I was struggling really bad there and you know, I was like you know, I was like, you know, I I I was was struggling and I was like dang, you know, Will's already hurting. You know, I'm hurting And, you know, but I kept pushing through and I kept thinking, you know, hopefully I'm going to bounce back off of it. But like I said, when we were there, you know, I can never get back truly running. I mean, you know, we tried multiple times um, after you took your break and
0: um, I just couldn't get back going again. Um, from From a crew standpoint, there's really nothing you can do or say at that point. Because I'm sure that anything that could have been said was said to try to get you back out there. Oh, it was.
2: Well, Garrett, you showed up for the Mid-State Mall when I was For a there. little
0: bit, yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, and when you showed up, I was pretty much done. You could probably tell that I was – I didn't care. And you you <clears> didn't – wasn't you there.
0: Yeah, you weren't disengaged, but you weren't fully there. I mean, you're like, yeah, I'll go back out. So Okay but you weren't enthusiastic about going back out no
2: and i think sometimes you just get in mindsets to where for whatever reason it's just not your day you just but um the only time i think a crew can there's only a couple of times during a race i think a crew can rally you And earlier on, you know, 50, 60 miles, if you're feeling bad about yourself, maybe they can rally you enough to go an extra 10 miles where you feel better, you know, and Mm -hmm. keep going. Or maybe at towards the end of the race, when you've only got 10 or 15 miles left, maybe they can keep pushing you to the point where, okay, now it's within range. Mm -hmm. But it's tough when you're in that. And I've seen it several times myself, when somebody's in that 60 to 70 mile area. If they decide they don't want to go, it, you're not going to overcome that usually. And if you can, you you're much more skilled at crewing than I am.
0: Let's just like that. And that may be one of those things where you literally just drop everything and drive away, and they don't have a choice but to move to the next aid station. And I know that that may be too stern but I know that we've kind of joked that with Jason at his next hundred attempt, that may be what we have to do is literally just leave him there. He does not have a choice, but to, (laughs) but to meet us at the next one.
2: Interesting. You say that because Greg Armstrong uh, was crewing me during cloud splitter. And I Mm -hmm. had made it 60 plus miles. I made it to the top of the mountain. I forget the name of the mountain there, but it's, it it was really cold and it's a really high mountain. Um, and he had tried to do something like that. He, he didn't just flat out leave. But what he was trying to do was, it was all downhill to the next state station, a few miles, seven, eight miles. He was trying to convince me that he just needs to drive to the next state station and meet me there for me to quit. That's what, that, that was what he was trying to do. That way I get further down the line and maybe I would choose not
0: to. Right. But it's almost I, one of those, like, okay, we'll decide at the next aid station. You get to the next aid station. You know what? Let's decide at the next one. And it's almost like this carrot in front of you that you're chasing. Right. And you never catch the carrot, obviously. But Well, you do
2: at 100 miles.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. So as a crew, you almost have to kind of play those mind games, like okay. the next aid station. because And and honestly, sometimes there's nothing that anyone can say, do motivate you with feed you give you to drink that's going to pull you out of it some days when when and that's why that's why that mindset episode was such a a a good one to me anyway because once you make your mind is such a powerful thing and once you make it up one way or the other 98 percent of the time that's how it's going to go so oh
1: absolutely it it absolutely is and and i can tell you since i've been doing my thing um, I'm, I've, I've not missed a day on the meditation now. I think I'm seven days in a row now on it. Um, and I think I'm seven days in a row where I've journaled and, uh, the mood, uh, thing that I'm doing now is pretty cool as well, because on it, you can track all the different things that's boosting your mood or what's not boosting your mood. Um, I've been in such a good place, um, as lately, which, you know, which is why I've been, you know, running has been easier for me to do. Um, like yesterday I had a really good run today. Um, one of my goals for this year is to, uh, do something, do some sort of physical activity every day of the year. And, um, I'm hoping my, what I'm hoping to do is strengthen that resolve so, when I line up for the Yeti One hundred um at the end of September, that I will have built um a stronger mind for that race. Now, whether that works or not, who knows? Um, everybody's different. everything works differently for different folks. Um, but that's just that's just my take on it, but i'm I'm working on that um you know and, and and i know my first true test will be a mountain mist um because that's going to be a, a long time out there and um it's it's going to be a, a, a tough run um but i'm just going to treat it like you know like you say a long walk in the woods um the thing so is man that race is so far out don't let it
2: don't let it get in your head if you don't do well there that's just i mean mountain mist is in what month it's in two weeks February? two weeks so this is just the beginning don't don't let don't let that be a gauge for anything that's happening in september
3: really. <clears throat> you know, n- no, I some-
1: no i think no and i think what i'm saying is is i'm you know already working on testing myself to some extent okay. with some of these exercises i've been doing and i'm interested to see how well they work is all and now you know I, i'm not putting a, a you know i i don't think you know um i i definitely think there's plenty of work left to go so i think the most exciting thing about uh, the, the race in september is we've got so many of us are going to be there and it's going to be a good time and real, the real question hold out. on hold on the real question is The real elephant in the room, is John Horner going to call a shot for a sub-24 buckle on record? He's not ready to commit, I don't think.
3: I'm not going to make that call on record at this point in time. I mean, that race is over eight months from now. But, you know, sub-24 seems too soft of a shot to call.
1: Uh Uh-oh. Oh, oh, I've, got a, oh I've, got, no. I've got a shot
2: to call in John Horner. I'm gonna say I'm gonna beat John Horner September 29th in a hundred mile race. how About I that, I mean,
3: I mean, <laughs> uh, the follow my follow-up response to that would be, well, to beat me, then you actually have to run. So you know, oh
0: remember how i said you remember how i, I said fired. we were pretty calloused to each other this is our chat right here this no, is, this is curated chat. version
2: <laughs> oh, yeah this is going to get much worse i think um yeah he was and like you said uh jason before i, I proclaimed my uh my win over john which is coming um yeah there's four of us right so i i the way be the crewing. race is laid out
0: this is interesting. I will be crewing each of the three of you.
2: Well, there's one more that's just as fast as me and John going to be out there and very um, experienced with 100-mile races who could beat all of us. Kara.
3: Yeah, but, but um, here,
1: here, here, here's the thing. Kara's already got a buckle. John's already got a buckle. You and I don't have a buckle, so – No offense to John and Kara, but screw them. You and I should be the (laughs) priority in this to get a buckle.
2: No, I have to get a buckle and beat John, or I'm throwing my buckle in the trash.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Will may, uh, for our listeners at home, will may or may not have thrown an award in the trash one time. A second place uh, finish. (laughs) Uh, there may may or may not have also been alcohol involved and blocks thrown at windows. So, (laughs)
1: that was fantastic. Okay, I'll never forget that.
2: Getting back to what I was trying to say. So, the way the race is set up, we go out, we go out, back and out. Out. So there's so many of us on the uh, running different speeds, you know, different paces on the the trail at a time that we're going to have plenty of opportunities to see each other, you know, throughout the race. So I would think that that would help with our mentality quite a bit. But um I'm excited to beat John. I really am.
1: Yeah. I'm excited John for you. Is, to, John is I, loading
2: ex- his more aggressive training plan as we speak over there.
0: You hear you hear buttons clicking in the background.
2: <laughs> he's he's uh, he's already uh he's he's uh, on his training peaks. Coach. Yeah, he's yeah. on his
0: training peaks right now. Leaving a message for his coach this motherfucker just said he's gonna beat me we can't let that happen <laughs>
2: I, need, I need a training plan that equates to a 20 hour 100 mile finish please dial so that yeah, up it's
0: still too soft
3: <laughs> i've got my one-way ticket book to siberia and it's just gonna be nothing but me running through the through the siberian wilderness and up mountains and stuff and will's picture is gonna be next to my mirror and Right before I fly back to Virginia, I'm going to rip it off there. <laughs> he went to the top of that mountain and shout his name. I can tell you one thing. I can
1: tell you one thing. If the weather was anything like it was, um, I guess it would be two years ago, um, John w- would have a good chance of torching that course because the weather was literally, I think it's like was like John's ideal conditions. I think it started out in the low 40s hung in the 40s into the 50s for gosh probably half the day thing i think the high was like 62 and then that night it dropped back down into the upper 30s the mid 30s at the top of white top it was pretty cold but um that was literally i think the best year that i ever ran it from a weather standpoint you better Um, take him to dinner
0: before you start teasing him like that that's,
1: oh no, I, I I think I think he could I think he could do very well on that course. Uh just that's kind of bad, have,
2: abnormal for that time of year, isn't it? For the B, unless a, a hurricane is come you know coming Well that's what that's close. the
1: other bad thing about that race is it you know that's right in the middle of hurricane season. So you have to deal with the yeah, fact
3: like that. this um this past year they they actually you know had the remnants of that hurricane blow up there and had close to a fifty percent finisher rate which is just astounding for that type of course
1: well the 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 pee and blood year was another hurricane year and that was a year where i think it was like it may be 60 percent um a lot of people dropped out of that race as well that was just that was a
0: terrible year um at the risk of at at the risk of sounding like the guys who sit at a bar with their high school letter jackets, when they're 45 years old, (laughs) talking about their glory days. Um, Can we, (laughs) let's go back to how to, to crewing. Cause that is like, we've talked Yeti enough. No offense. (laughs) That's part of crewing. (laughs) I think one thing that is pivotal to all of it is your pre race meeting where you as the runner outline exactly what you will want or i don't want to say what you will want what you will need from your crew because i think that is something that your crew almost has to have and and maybe this is just my mentality like if my if the guy i work for comes and says hey i need i want to know because it's kind of what we're doing right now we're revamping some roles on the team and he's like i need to know everything that you do day in and day out And anything that could potentially come up, I need to know what that is too. I am very much okay. If you want everything, I'm going to literally tell you everything that I am capable of doing that could come up on my day to day operation stuff. Maybe that's just my mentality, but if you want, like, I need to know exactly what you want or what you will need either at certain aid stations or when you come in feeling certain ways.
3: Um, and then one point about that type of meeting too, is that it's usually beneficial if you can have that, like, you know, one or two weeks out from the actual race, that way you as a runner aren't sitting up to like 2am the night before, like a race with like a six or 7am start, you know, button on up all these like loose ends.
0: Unless you can make a podcast out of it then it's really fun. And, (laughs) And I
1: would, I would, I would not recommend
0: having high West whiskey involved either. But two weeks, one yeah, one to two weeks out is probably ideal for that that meeting. That way, everyone has a chance to prepare.
2: Right, and one thing John needs to put on his need list for Yeti, much like Daniel's son in Karate Kid, he may need to bring a body bag after I kick his ass all over the course.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Um, talk is cheap, you know. Actions speak louder than words. So yeah, look.
2: The last time I talked, all this shit, I uh, I backed out of the race last minute at Snowball. Did you Did you end up going to that race?
3: No, I DNS yeah. that race. Just the weather was the, the, way, the I would have run in that weather. I just didn't want to like drive in it between um, here in the Raleigh area and Chattanooga, going through those mountains. And I think they got several yeah. inches of snow over there around Asheville. So yeah, I was out for that
2: yeah me personally, I just whisked out. But you know Garrett is right. you, as a runner, it is your responsibility to let your crew know what you need. And mm-hmm. if if something's not there that you need, it's it's really your fault because only you know what you need. You know, to run those distances
0: and And I would say your crew needs to have an a, B, and C. Cause you may plan like your drop bags, if you will, you may be like at this aid station, I'm going to want this flavor, this, this, and this, and you get there and that does not sound good. So your crew has to be ready with a plan B. And as a crew, you have to know, okay, if he's not like, Will, you can't have carbonated beverages.
2: Nope.
0: So maybe a flat beverage, like if you need the sugar, but maybe a flat Coke would be better. I don't know. I'm just saying they need to, you need to give them options. Like this is probably what I will want based on historically speaking, but I may not be in a good spot or I come in four hours late to an aid station. Obviously things are going to be different. So you need to have a plan AB and maybe even a C. Hopefully you don't need a D goal, but also more options can't be a bad idea because your runner may not want the grilled cheese instead he may want something a little more bland um or he may not you know what gels are not sitting well today we got to switch to real food so you have to be ready on a fly because you don't know how your runner's feeling in sometimes that five to ten mile window or if you're like at no business you go a 50k 36 miles maybe i think without potentially without access to crew a lot of things happen in that distance your plan may be gone and completely out the window. And so you have to be able to adapt on the fly in that moment while keeping your cool at the same time.
2: So experience is everything, right?
0: Mm -hmm.
2: You know, to me, a perfect crew member is three things. Someone that runs a lot with you, you know, someone who's run similar distances to what you're trying to do. And somebody actually cares about you right?
3: Yeah.
2: If you have those three things in, in a crew member, you know, they've got the experience, they actually care what's going on with you, and they have run next to you enough to hear you complain on runs, to know that, hey, this guy likely after 20 miles, he usually, he starts complaining that his leg hurts or his stomach's getting sloshy or something. So when you know those things, you can kind of uh guess where your runner's mind is going if you hear certain clue words but to me if you have a if you have a crew at least one person on your crew that are those three things yeah you got a pretty good crew member
0: and the one thing i'll say about a crew if you're taking multiple people you need a crew chief you need a person who says who, who the runner designates this person's word is the end all be all
2: And it should be that person that has those three requirements yeah, because they know more about you and what you're going through. And, Hmm. you know, your crew is less likely to stay a little bit longer at that restaurant and have one more beer, (laughs) you know.
0: Or they may bring you donuts. If you're I'm a one of donuts,
2: yeah. Yeah. The best crew member um, <laughs> brings you donuts when you ask for them. Yeah. I
1: was going to say, I, I think on that note, I think we need to end this bad boy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I was going to, I want to bring up one more thing, and it's probably not the best time to bring it up, but I do think it's something worth talking about the dnf because we've all every single one of us has been there and witnessed someone else in this show dnf an event whether it was a race or an adventure run you you have to also be because and all of us have dnf'd and so we all know exactly how it feels like it is probably the most defeatist thing i've ever felt I was okay with it. I'm still. Not, I still honestly don't think I'm okay with it. I was okay with it at the time because, shit, I came in 12 minutes late or 12 minutes late. There's nothing you can do. But I still don't think I'm okay with it. Um, and that's just my personality. So as a crew member, what do you say or what do you do or do you just? Get... It's a fine line because you want to be upbeat because you're like you know, but you can't be too upbeat because they literally just DNF'd whether they quit or ran out of time. And that's an awkward spot because you can't be too somber either because the last thing they want is for everyone to feel bad. As a runner, John, I felt bad. Jason, I was, I was really hoping you and I would get to run, and I felt bad because I made you and Will take time out of your families, away from everything, and you didn't even get the chance to do anything.
2: But, but that doesn't matter. I mean, we knew if you're accruing if you're someone, you know that's always a risk. That, that's not mm-hmm. why you're there at all. Yeah. Yeah,
3: um, yeah, especially like you know when it's like you know the four of us all going to each other's races. Mm-hmm. You know we've all seen each other succeed. We've all seen each other fail, but you know we're always in it together. Yeah, like, right. like so, High School Musical. Yeah.
2: Well, what you do <laughs> is you you razz them a little bit with love. You throw you, your arms around them. And you go have a beer together, and then you start planning the next next race. That's what we've always done. I mean, if mm-hmm. you notice, Jason, we, we talk about his Yeti so much because we all want him to finish so bad, right? So at this badly. point, it didn't
0: have to be the Yeti. I just want to get a buckle so we can all that, just have a giant circle.
2: that we're making fun <laughs> of the guy. We keep going back because we want to see it, and that's that's mm-hmm. all I want to see. I don't honestly. I'm gonna be honest with you, and I'm I care less about buckles and finishing races than you guys i guarantee it but i do want to see him finish because i mean who goes back to a race four times is this the fourth time Mm -hmm. you know and ultimately if he finishes that race and i never run again i don't care really to be honest with you because i just i really want you to finish that's all i care about at this point You know, it may change later. You know, once you achieve that goal, I may, I don't know. We're not talking about it because we're trying to rub it in that you haven't finished. We're talking about it kind of like friends do to goad you into doing it. If you notice every time something happens, you don't finish, we give you a, a week or two, we start talking about it again. Why do you think we do that to me that's me continuing to be a crew member because i'm always going to be there we're doing that to light that fire again because we don't want to see you walk away without achieving what's always been your goal for the last five years you know
3: yeah like i remember when you know i was out there pacing jason um a couple years ago Uh, when he dropped at uh, Alvarado and just, you know, out out there watching him, head in his hands, just realizing what was going to happen. That was just, like, heartbreaking. And when I see that picture still today, I just get chills from that because, like, I can – it's one of those pictures I look at that I can feel. And, uh, you know, ultra running, it's about finding where you think your, like, limit is, but then finding a way past that. And, you know, ultimately, uh, each of Jason's races, you know, while he's DNF there, they've each gotten him progressively closer to that finish, which is going to happen, you know, one of these days.
0: In some fashion, he has gotten progressively closer. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Sorry, I've talked so much about it. I don't I don't feel like I need to add anything else to it. (laughs)
0: But I think what it all boils down to to have a good crew is people who care about you, like Will said, people who care about you, but also know what you're going to be going through. And I think yeah. that's that's why I, I appreciated you guys being there last year. Because you guys all have run a distance close enough to it. Like, you'll know, if I say, if I say mile 80, each and every single one of you knows exactly how someone is probably going to feel at mile 80. But honestly, I was I was also appreciative of my wife for being there because she will know better than you guys just based on body language what I need to hear. And so if you can find right. a good blend of that, then you've got a solid crew that will most likely, barring medical something, get you to your finish line. I agree. 100%. So find you in my case find you a Jason John and Will. That's and right. A wife. and a wife. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe a good bottle of whiskey or a dog named whiskey. That would work That's too. Right. So Guys, this was a good one. I really enjoyed the the different approach on on 100-milers ultra events adventure runs from a crew standpoint.
1: That's right. The best the best thing about tonight we were all here um mm-hmm. before we before we wrap it up i would like to say that i did uh, post something earlier that i am uh, putting an indefinite pause on the inked up runner channel um not uh completely dismantling it i'm leaving it up um just just taking some time off going to focus on on this one um just because it's easier and um it's a lot less uh stress and i enjoy it a ton because i get to be with my homies so um so anyway um it has been a good conversation as always and uh, the best part of it like i said was you know being with all but with everybody tonight it's been a while since the four of us have been together so good stuff good topic will so with that being said i guess i will sign us off and um As always, please check us out on all the different uh, sources, Google, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, whatever you want to do. And that's it. Until next time, adios.